when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there. If he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Looking out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. Hey guys, what's going on? And welcome to the Soto Mojo podcast. Uh, this is Colby Patnode, and this week I am joined by Ty Gonzalez, uh, who was able to peel himself away from Disney Plus long enough to talk some Mariners with us. Um, Ty, how are you feeling? Uh, how you doing? And uh, what did we stop you from watching to come on the podcast? Well, <clears throat> you know, uh, if, if you thought that I would uh, buy Disney Plus just to watch uh, That's a Raven all over again, you would be absolutely 100% correct. Uh, nice, nice. Yep. Uh, but yeah, uh, I had a full night of coughing fits. Hopefully that doesn't come back here in the in the podcast and starting to get a little bit better but uh yeah i i you know i told you this last night but you absolutely need to watch the mandalorian and you know and i implore everyone that listens to this podcast that is a star wars fan that hasn't watched the mandalorian yet please watch the mandalorian it is in my opinion it's my favorite thing that disney has done with star wars and let's be honest, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a big enough nerd to really be into Star Wars, um, <laughs> which is fine by me because I am also a big Star Wars fan. Um, yeah, it's definitely on my list. Uh, just kind of weird, random. I, like my, net, my Netflix queue is backed up like 10 movies and shows that I really want to watch. Yeah. And Disney Plus got released yesterday. And obviously, I'm still trying to figure out, sh- should I watch? What should I do first? I, I think I'm going to watch The Mandalorian first. But yeah. There's, there's only there's, one episode right now, so right. It's a uh, it's just the premiere, um, <clears throat> but I think, like I said, for me, I'm trying to figure out: do I want to do the MCU in the cinematic universe order, right? Do I want to do? Well, Star not Wars? all the MCU movies are on there. What what are they missing right now? Uh, both Spider Man's. Um, I believe yeah. Infinity War is not on there because Netflix has it at the moment. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I can jump to Netflix. But yeah. the bulk, bulk of them are what isn't I can find somewhere else. But so yeah. should I? So should I do the MCU? Should I do Star Wars, that extended universe, uh, on that timeline? Mm-hmm. Um, or should I watch something I've never done before, the Pixar theory? Are you familiar with the Pixar theory? What is the Pixar theory? The Pixar theory, and guys, I promise we're going to get to your questions. We have a ton of Mariner questions. But just <laughs> let us nerd out for a few minutes. Maybe skip to like the four minute mark. The Pixar theory is the idea that every movie in the Pixar catalog is happening in the, on the same timeline in the same. Okay. Universe. Okay. So every movie is connected. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, it's, there's some leaps you have to take and there's some, but there's a really good video. Um, maybe I'll link it in the description. If you guys don't know what the Pixar theory is, it's a great video. It's about 25 minutes long. It takes a while to explain, but basically they connect every movie. And I think the first movie in their, in their universe, the Pixar universe is the good dinosaur and i think it ends the final movie is uh monsters inc and then all the 20 some odd 
Pixar movies fit somewhere on the timeline within those two space, those two air points of time. So, huh. uh, yeah, that's that's a really fun uh, fun thing to explore, and it's also you know Pixar comes out with a new movie, you have to try and figure out where it fits on the timeline. Um, so yeah, there's that possibility. Um, also, all the old Disney shows, uh, like the Disney Channel shows, um, That's So Raven is a good one. Um, <coughs> you know, Lizzie McGuire, uh, the yep. old uh, the old Disney movie uh, Brink. I love Brink. Do you remember Brink? Yep, yep. They got <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember Brink. I remember Johnny Tsunami. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember all all the classics. I watched a little bit of uh, Even Stevens last night. Yeah. I, watched, I watched some Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. That's right. Uh, yeah. Um, Early two yeah, thousands Disney was the best. Like, and it's yeah. not close. Yeah. It, it's, also, it's, I, I like how Netflix uh, conveniently signed an exclusive rights deal with Nickelodeon today. <laughs> oh, I did not see that. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Well, that, that's so they get Rugrats and you know SpongeBob and. I'm totally for that. Yeah, I'm keeping fun. my Netflix subscription. Like, oh yeah, yeah. If I'm losing anything, it's going to be Hulu, and I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's anyways. Uh, let's let's go ahead. Let's jump. You know what? One sometime this winter, we are going to do a, a Pixar movie rank. Um, All right. So let's do it. We did it with the we did it with the Marvel. Um, which if we had to update the list, I I could probably make some significant changes. Some movies really grown on me. I don't even remember what my list was. I don't, I don't either. Like that, the podcast is like two hours long. We're not listening to that. Um, we'll just re-rank. But yeah, we'll definitely do like a Pixar thing, um, or maybe like just a Disney movie thing. You know, yeah, where's the sure. last rank? And you yeah. know, who's number two behind the Lion King? Questions like Lilo, that. Lilo and Stitch number one. Yeah, <coughs> that. Totally. Yeah. Underrated yeah. film. Emperor's New Groove. Very. Funny. Yep. Very very um, good movie. Also Atlantis. Atlantis no, is you know what? Good. I have never seen Atlantis. Atlantis is very good. I will put that in my queue. Now I can watch it. Yep. So anyways, guys, uh, we are going to talk Mariners, and that's going to start right now. We asked for you guys to send us your <laughs> questions for today's podcast. Man, if it wasn't so time-consuming, I would put a little ding counter next to every time you talk. <laughs> yeah. Just ding one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is going to be way too time-consuming. That would also anyway. be better for video format. Need a visual cue. It would. Um, yeah, geez, I can't go back and listen to this. Um, anyways, we've already wasted six minutes of your life. You guys, we asked you guys to send us questions and you definitely responded. We got 12 questions to get through today. Um, if we can even get through all 12, we're going to try, um, to get through all of them. We're going to try and set a limit of about an hour, uh, to answer as many of these as we can. Um, and we might get sidetracked again. No guarantees we don't. Uh, but before we get to your questions and some of these questions are related to our main topic of the day, we do have our first, it's not, it's not news. We've had Mariners news. It's the first rumor. Is that fair to say? It's like big rumor. Like we've had rumors too that we've, that we've covered, but this is kind of like, this is the first rumor that deals with like players on the Mariners roster. Right. Like legitimate, uh, legitimate questions are yeah. coming off of this not uh anyways uh guys by now you probably know uh ken rosenthal of the athletic who we actually like and respect mm-hmm. unlike bob Nightingale. um he he reported in his uh, article today um that the mariners have received phone calls on or 
they've talked at least with teams about both Mitch Haniger and Marco Gonzalez. And while they're going to be very hesitant to engage in Marco Gonzalez trade talks, they are not going to be hesitant to talk about Mitch Haniger. Mm-hmm. Basically. Um, I mean, uh, I can pull up the exact wording here, and I think that may be a little bit important just because, you know, we don't want to take things out of context here. But basically the idea here is, is that the Mariners are getting interest in arguably their best, you know, their best position player and their best pitcher. Yes. Um, they're getting interest in both, and they're not really all that interested in trading Marco Gonzalez, but they are willing to listen at least listen on Mitch Haniger. So um, it seems pretty new- newsworthy to me. Um, so Ty, what, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I'm not too surprised by it. I think oh. with, with Haniger, um, I figured that they would listen. That doesn't mean that they're just going to trade him for 50 cents on the dollar. And, you know, Jerry DePoto has mentioned in the past before that, you know, the most important thing for Mitch is getting him back on the field. And I think, you know, what he's saying there is that he needs to, you know, regroup, you know, some, some trade value and, and we'll, you know, we'll see what teams are, are, are willing to offer them. Um, you know, I think, you know, you and I both have kind of, have kind of looked at the Hanniger situation that DePoto is going to have a price that it's probably going to be fairly similar to what he was looking for last year. And teams weren't really willing to give it to him, and I'm not sure if that's going to change this year with, uh, you know, the injury and uh, kind of his slow start to this to the season and everything. So um, we'll see. Uh, but uh, I like that there's already a dialogue being created here, and uh, we'll see how that progresses. Because uh, the GM meetings are going on today, right? Yep, right now. Yeah. Um... While things don't typically happen at the GM meetings, um, things get started there, though. Right, and let's be honest, it's all thirty GMs in the same building. Um, talks are going to happen. There's going to be dialogue. Um, so, at the very least, you're garnering a list of teams that could be interested here. Um, just real fast, I'm just going to read straight from the uh, the article here um, from Ken Rosenthal again of the Athletic. He wrote this morning, Mariners right fielder Mitch Haniger is drawing trade interest even though he did not play after June 6th last season due to a ruptured testicle. <sighs> Every time. Yeah. Haniger, who turns 29 on December 23rd, projects to make $3 million in his first uh, in his first three years of arbitration, first of the next three years in arbitration. Uh, his age, affordability, and remaining control are particularly attractive at a time when the free agent market is thin on quality outfielders. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes on to talk about how Jim Bowden has Marcelo Zuna as the top outfielder available. Um, here's the final line. The Mariners are open to trading Hanager, but want to retain left-hander Marco Gonzalez, who has four years of control remaining and feels a greater need as they try to build their next winning team. So there you go. Teams are interested. Mm-hmm. Other teams are interested in Mitch Hanager. Clearly, the Mariners don't want to trade Marco Gonzalez, um, but just based on the way the statement is worded, um, we have to assume that they're at least being asked about Marco Gonzalez. Sure. Otherwise, why include him in there? Um, well, and they, and they should absolutely listen. 
on, oh, yeah. on him. Uh, Marco is arguably one of the 30 to 35 best starting pitchers in the league right now. Uh, if you can get a blue chip piece for him, you, know, you at least consider it. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think you, you listen on everybody um, at any time because you never know. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think the Marco Marco thing is interesting. Um, we've kind of almost always assumed that Marco was more likely to stay than Mitch. Um, I, I think that's just yeah. kind of the general assumption there anyways. Um, but yeah, you know, the Hanniger thing, it's news in the sense that the Mariners are there. It, it's probably more news in the sense that other teams are asking the Mariners about Hanager. Um, whereas last year, you know, the market seems to have been the Mariners were pushing Hanager, and teams just weren't interested. It could be the That's inverse true. this year. That's true. So I can see why you're, you're, you're a bit surprised by it. I, I think it's, you know, again, it's a bit of it is market. You know, last year, you know, there, you know, Harper was on the market, and you had some teams that were looking for corner outfield help, focused on on Harper alone. Um, so maybe that played into it, you know, because we, especially, you know, you and I had identified the Phillies as a strong team to consider for Hanager, yep. and you know, and that's look what ended up happening there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a bit, you know, it's just a, it's a different market right now, of course. You know, and and teams may see Hanager as this opportunity to buy low on him because of the injury, because of the slow start. I, I I don't think that the Mariners will do that. I don't think they'll just give in and just be like, okay, we'll just take whatever we can get for him at this point. I really don't think that that's that's their strategy whatsoever. I think that they're just going to dump a veteran outfielder. I I think they would much rather you know eat uh, someone like Domingo or or Alex. Yeah. Uh, but you know it's but the the fact that there are teams interested there's teams calling that you know perhaps at a certain point there will be teams building packages against one another yep. for Hanniger. Um, that's good. That's, yeah, that's what didn't happen last year um, either. By the way, um, you know there's this general idea out there in Mariners fandom that well the Mariners didn't trade him last year so now they can't trade him. Uh, because they'll never get more for him than they would have last winter, um, and while that's typically, you know, I'm, there's that's like a fine logic on the surface, but I don't know how many more times we have to say this. There wasn't really a Hanager market last winter. The Hanager yeah. market, as far as we know, was one team, the Atlanta Braves. They didn't come close to what the Mariners wanted, so they didn't trade them. I mean, why would you take? You know, fifty cents on the dollar for a player you don't have to trade. Yeah, it just never made sense to trade him if there was only going to be one team, and that one team wasn't going to come close to your asking price. And by the way, if you're the only team in on Mitch Haniger, why would you come close to the Mariners' asking price? Right. <laughs> so you just have this where two sides are waiting for the other one to blink, but they don't have leverage. The Braves don't have the leverage to say, "Well, if you don't trade Haniger, you know, you're going to lose him next year, anyways." No, we're not. He's here for four more years. And the Mariners and the Mariners say, well, you know, give us something. Give us what we want for Hanniger. And the Braves are going to say, why? What's pushing us? 
Now, I might be completely off base here. This is just something that popped into my head. But when the White Sox traded Adam Eaton, was Eaton yep. coming off of an injury? Um, I, I don't recall that, um, per se. There's a good chance because I think Adam Eaton kind of had that reputation. Um, let me look it up real I could be thinking of pitcher Adam Eaton, too, with the reputation, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I remember him being like out for the whole year, some season. Uh, that was uh, that was 2017 when he got traded to the Nationals. Okay, that's what yeah, I was thinking of. You know, I think he tore a ACL or something in 2017. Right. Uh, his first year with the Nationals. <coughs> right. But yeah, you know, we talked about this last year. I think we wrote about it that the Adam Eaton trade package is actually probably what the Mariners would want. Um, for Hanniger, uh, very similar players in terms of, you know, war and uh, value like that, and club control, blah de blah blah. So, um, I think you know Eaton's a kind of an interesting guy uh, to monitor uh, in terms of you know what Eaton got back then, and I think Eaton got Lucas Giolito with kind of the big, yep, the big piece, and they also got uh, Reynaldo Lopez. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember who else they got. Um, but yeah, I think that's you know about what the Mariners would want for Hanniger. So um, we'll see how all that works out. Uh, you know, I've been pretty adamant this offseason that the idea that the Mariners can't trade Hanniger this year coming off a bad year because you'll never get full value for him. I was like, well, if there's six teams interested in Mitch Hanniger, his value is going to go up. Yeah, the uh, White Sox got... Uh, Giolito, Lopez, and uh, Dane Dunning. There you go. So good package. Really good package. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, we'll see. But uh, you know, there are we. You know, he mentions the the really thin options in the outfield in free agency. Um, there's going to be cheaper options in trade, I'm sure. Uh, but Hanniger's market, in theory, could be larger than it was last year. It it's almost impossible for it to be smaller. Um, and that could drive his price up to a point where you're willing to accept mm. a deal. So, um, you know, just just this idea that assuming, well, the Mariners can't trade him because they didn't last winter, that's stupid. I mean, it's, there's just no way around. That's stupid. Um, I, I think you keep your asking price roughly the same, and if nobody meets it, then you keep him. I mean, it's not... It's. I mean, I don't know what you, you can't force people to pay what you want for your asset. Yeah, your asset's worth what the market tells you it's worth. If the market tells you that Machaniger isn't worth trading this winter, then don't. But to sit here and say, well, there's no way the market's going to tell you. How do you know unless you take your product to the market? Yeah, so exactly. We'll see what happens there. Um, but we did want to address that. Obviously, this is a much deeper uh, topic of conversation, but. We did have a few questions that kind of cover these this this idea here anyway, so we just want to get into that um, and just maybe we'll answer some more of these, uh, you know, some more questions. We'll stem off of these, um, but let's just dive right in. Like I said, we have a lot of questions. We only have like 50 minutes to get to them all, so let's do this. Mm-hmm. All right. Cue the Rocky music. Great soundtrack. Anyways, there we go talking about movies again. Yep. That's right. We're starting our own podcast. Yep. It's called Popcorn and Duds. It's it's, it's a it's a podcast within a podcast. 
within a podcast. <laughs> within a podcast. <laughs> or inceptioning it. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, first question comes from uh, at <laughs> Jerry Savage Depoto, at Savage Depoto, one of the All best right. Twitter handles yep. uh, on in Mariners Twitter by far. Yep. Yep. Uh, he says, uh, with the report that the Mariners have received interest in Marco Gonzalez, how do you think rival teams view him in terms of value? And what kind of players slash prospects do you think he'd bring in return? This is Ooh. actually a, a, you know, there's a second question attached to this. Yeah. Uh, but let's let's start here. Um, how do you think, you know, rival teams see Marco Gonzalez? Um. A serviceable middle of the rotation starting pitcher, a guy that's just going to give you several quality innings, uh, a a start, and just a dependable guy, a guy that's not going to blow you away with a ton of strikeouts or anything like that. You know, he, he's he is what he is, and uh, and I think there's a lot of value in that. I think there's a lot of value in getting a pitcher like that. I mean, hell, you you saw a team trade for Jason Vargas last year. <laughs> You know, the, the Diamondbacks went out of their way to get Mike Leak when they were kind of on the outside looking in. You know, the, it, innings eaters, and, and and that's what Marco's proven to be over the last couple of years now that he's, like, he's got, he's become healthy, and he's been a dependable innings eater and, uh, and a guy that just is, is just solid all around. So I, I think... Yeah, there's a lot of value in that, and especially for a guy that has pitched as well as he has, and he's been, you know, one of the top pitchers in the league in terms of, uh, in terms of F four, and um, he's in the prime of his career. He's very, 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 very affordable, and uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of value there. Yeah, I think you know you look at Marco Gonzalez, and you kind of his ERA is going to be around four. Yep. Um, maybe a little lower, maybe a little higher. His FIP is going to be, you know, somewhere between three five and four two. Um, in the last two years, you look at his F four, um, you know, three point four in twenty eighteen, three point seven last year, two hundred three innings last season. That's a rarity these days. The season before, he was at one sixty seven, um, and that was his first fully healthy year off the Tommy John. Um, so you know, he's going to you throw strikes. Um, you know, like I said, I think he's, he's probably, uh, viewed as a number four in a, a good rotation. Um, he's probably a number five in a great rotation. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously eyes in the beauty or the beauties in the eye of the beholder. Um, and so it's, it's kind of tough, you know, you look at just war, Marco Gonzalez finished the year 25th in F4, um, in all of baseball, um, ahead of guys like. Aaron Nola and uh, Clayton Kershaw, uh, just to name a few. Um, he's not better than those guys, but he is—he's dependable. Uh, you know what you're going to get. I think teams probably look at him like you said. He's a middle of the rotation arm. Um, at, if you're, like I said, if you're like the the Astros or whatever, or the Dodgers, then you're probably not interested in Marco because he probably doesn't crack your stud rotation. But if you're a team like the Blue Jays, um, Marco's probably a two or a three in your mind. If you're a team like, um, you know, Detroit, uh, you know, whatever it is, um, the Angels, for example, 
Uh, it just kind of depends on how you want to look at him. Uh, I think the league, though, in general sees, you know, at, at worst, that's a number four starter that I can plug in and get 170 to 200 innings out of um, at average or slightly above average production. And that's that's valuable, especially like you mentioned, you know, four years of club control and he's not making any money. Um, and he probably won't until, you know, 2022. So <clears throat> I think that's how they view him. I think that's how other teams would view him. Um, what kind of pro- as for what kind of prospects do you think he'd bring back in return? I don't know, Ty. What do you think? I'm. I mean, we've we've talked about guys like Luis Urias. I don't know how realistic that is, straight up. Right. You know, we in in that deal that we proposed, we had Will Myers attached to that. Um. But I think. <clears throat> I don't know, but you know that, and that was before the season ended. I think that was was that around the deadline that we were talking about that deal. Yeah, it was just kind of a possibility. And so, I think you know, and he had a really solid end to the into the season, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, he stayed healthy most importantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure the narrative on on Marco is maybe shifted just a little bit. You know, maybe not a whole lot, but shifted a little bit just to see him complete another full season. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I I I I, I want to say that you know again he was a top thirty pitcher in terms of F four last year. Um, just really solid. Ate a lot of innings. Um. With the way that the market's been. I don't know. I th- I think you know to to simplify it for some of our listeners that aren't uh, as into like prospects and everything. I think Marco Gonzalez could get you two prospects that are like on the back end of the top one hundred on pipeline. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think like my my immediate thought was, I think he can maybe he's not going to get you a a Kelnick or a Rodriguez or a Gilbert type of yeah. prospect. Could he get you like an Evan White and a Kyle Lewis? Yeah, or Cal Raleigh or somebody like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe might. Um, you know, like I said, depending on the market and all that stuff. Um, and by the way, if he gets you an Evan White or and uh, let's say it's you know Kyle Lewis. That's not a slam dunk trade. I mean, you don't have to make that trade yeah. um, because you know what Marco is. You know, and I think if you're sorry, the, no, don't mean to interrupt, but. Uh, I think if you are going to trade Marco Gonzalez, it's absolutely going to be for a major leaguer. Yeah, I agree. So, with that said, anyway, I'll, I'll let you get back to it. So. No, it's the thing is that Marco is safe. You know what he is. He's here for four more seasons. Um, you know, so you have to convince the Mariners that you're making them better um, than keeping Marco for four years. And when they're not even thinking about really competing until you know, next year at the earliest and probably realistically, you know, 2022, um, you still get Marco for 2022, 2023. Uh, you know, that's, that's really valuable. So you have to find a hitter. Um, in my opinion, it would be, you know, a major league hitter, um, who's controlled for at least four years, um, and is going to be, you know, as reliable and consistent as Marco. Um, those guys, those guys don't come cheap. Let me ask you this. Would you trade Marco for Whit Merrifield? 
because that's kind of the guy that I would have in mind. As like uh, that that if say that they just did a one for one swap, that's the kind of player that I would see it being worth to the Mariners. That would also be kind of realistic. Yeah, um, I think I probably would. You know, the thing with Merrifield in general um, is the age and the speed's a big part of his game. So you wonder how that's gonna. But Merrifield's a really good player. Um, they're both four years of club control. Um, you know, again, the age. Merrifield's making more money, first, but right. yeah. But yeah, I think you know, I think that type of player is probably what it has to be. Um, like you said, unless, but you know, again, personally for me, unless the Mariners find you know the sucker who's going to give them, you know, the Kelnick from last year, then I don't think they're trading Marco. Right. Um, but yeah, for a guy like Whit Merrifield, I would probably do that. I don't know that the Mariners would, and if I had to guess, I would say they probably wouldn't. But I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think you know if Marco does get traded, it's probably going to be for a big leaguer. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. I so mean, why why else would you? I mean, unless you're getting two quality prospects that are right on the cusp of yeah. like. Or, you know, like someone like Luis Urias, right? Yeah, I do that. And and that's really, you know, but right now, when I look at this roster, and I look at Marco, I'm thinking that the Mariners are better off with Marco than a, than a major league hitter at this point. I think there really isn't a clear position right now where it's, they absolutely need to go get a major leaguer at that spot for 2020 right now. Right. Get them in-house. And I think, you know, really, you know, that we don't know about the outfield. There there hasn't been enough time to see how that shakes out. We haven't even seen Julio Rodriguez and Derek Kelnick yet. Right. We've only seen a glimpse of Kyle Lewis. We've seen, you know, an even smaller glimpse of Jake Fraley, Braden Bishop. Right. You know. You still have Mitch Hanniger and Domingo Santana and Malik Smith. And typically, if you're going to trade a starting pitcher, it's more than likely going to be for an outfielder. The, the outfield's kind of like the starting pitcher of positional players. You know, unless you're trading for like a second baseman, you know, you know one of the top second baseman shortstops of the game. You know, you look at first base right now where they are, they got Vogelback, they got Nola, and Evan White is expected to play majority of the season at the MLB level, I would assume. Even if he starts out in the minor leagues. You know, Shed Long is probably going to be the second baseman on opening day. J.P. Crawford's got shortstop locked down for now. Kyle Seager, I don't think you're... You know, even if you did bring in a third baseman, what are you going to do with Kyle Seager? Uh, I just think, you know, and then catcher, of course, they're they probably have the best duo at catcher and baseball right now so and uh, you know by the way you know colton's screaming miguel andujar right now yeah uh, but i i wouldn't trade marco for andujar well uh, and also how are you gonna play him right now yes yeah. and so, and, so yeah. and so that's what i'm looking at is right now if they got a major leaguer there just really isn't a clear-cut spot to put this guy even if it's you know it's, it's just i i i think right now Marco serves a better purpose on your roster 
even if you want to trade him later on in his career, whether it be next year, two years down the line, what have you, you know, if you if you decide because we've had this talk you and I before about Marco and how you know probably by 2021, 2022, Marco's going to be the third or fourth best pitcher on your rotation. And you know, if you if you see more value in trading Marco, you can still do that next year. You can still yep. do that two years from now because he has control and he's cheap. Right. I think, you know, just the simplest way to put it is that Marco Gonzalez has more value to the Mariners than any other team in baseball. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably why he stays. So um, anyways, by the way, um, Savage DePoto, he, uh, he agrees. Um, you know, he says if Jerry can get fair value in return for Marco, they should trade him. Um, at his highest value, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay. So, yeah, I, I just, I think, yeah, if, if you get a deal you like for Marco Gonzalez, you should consider taking it. Um, yeah. You just shouldn't be going out of your way to dangle him. Like I said, I think for DePoto, fair value is going to be, like, a pretty sizable impact bat. And I think we're, like, and when I say bat, major league bat, I think, like, borderline all-star Yeah, um, is what he would want. And I just don't see any team, you know, that's going to be willing to give it to him. So I, I, I feel pretty confident Marco's going to stick around. Yeah. Um, anyways, thanks for the question. Uh, let's move on to a question that is um, kind of the other end of the spectrum, uh, both about Marco Gonzalez. So that, that's funny. Uh, this is our, uh, our good buddy, Oliver. Um, he, uh, that's at uh, Oliver underscore P underscore G. Uh, he asked... Um, uh, what would be the point in even engaging in Marco trade talks? Uh, aren't we trying to uh, get starters and not sell them? Um, so, I mean, I guess, you know, why would the Mariners even shop Marco Gonzalez? Um, even, although it sounds like they're not, but what would be yeah. the argument? Uh, you know, why would this guy, Oliver says, you know, why would you trade Marco Gonzalez? So, Ty, why would you trade Marco Gonzalez? Well, I kind of alluded to this when I was answering the last question. Is, you know, we by 2021, 2022, unless something's gone horribly wrong, Marco Gonzalez is going to be the third or fourth, maybe even fifth best pitcher in your rotation. Marco Gonzalez is a very solid pitcher, but he's not a number one. He's like a low-end number two in most rotations. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, for me, looking that, looking at that, if a team comes to you in, you know, in two years from now or a year from now or what have you, and you know, and say, you know, there's a position of need that that you know you, you really would like to address, whether it be you know, let's say a year from now they need a second baseman. You know, Shed Long doesn't work out. You know, he comes back down to earth, or say Kyle Seeger has another. You know, it falls back down to earth and, and goes back to what he did in 2018. You know, and, you're, and all of a sudden you want to fix third base. You know, the, I think that player is more valuable to you than Marco Gonzalez at that point. Yeah. This year, Marco Gonzalez is more valuable to you than anything that you could get, in my opinion. Anything that you could realistically get, in my opinion. And, um, uh, yeah, I I think right now 
or I think, sorry, I think next year, if this conversation is still going on and we know more about the roster and how everything's shaken out, and we're looking at this starting rotation and maybe have seen big jumps from Logan Gilbert, Justin Dunn, et cetera, and maybe we're talking about one of those guys being the ace of this rotation going into 2021. Then I'm looking at Marco Gonzalez and thinking that I don't absolutely need this guy. And let's be realistic here. Like even even if you were at that point, Marco Gonzalez, as much as I really like watching the guy pitch and everything, he's not going to shift the needle too much one way or another from where this rebuild is gonna go. It's a solid, dependable pitcher, but in the grand scheme of things. He's like Mike Leak for you. Mm-hmm. Nice, and that has value even a, in a playoff rotation. Uh, you look yeah. at a guy like Wade Miley, who was uh, really good for the Astros this year. You look at Anibal Sanchez. Yep. Yeah. Those guys have value. It's just when you get into the playoffs, no. I mean, I don't think Miley was even on any of the Astros rosters uh, in any round of the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, it's the reason why you would – you know, you would engage in Marco trade talks because you never know what somebody's going to offer you. Like I said, if somebody comes to you and said, I, I mean, like I said, this is never going to happen. But if the, I don't, if the Dodgers come to you and said, Hey, we'll give you Gavin Lux for Marco Gonzalez. Yeah. You take that. that, Yeah. At that point. Yeah. Yeah, or like, or like, if the Indians go with Dell or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. If the Indians were like, Hey, we'll give you Lindor for, for Marco and you worry about getting him signed to a contract extension. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll worry about that. (laughs) That, That's why you have to talk or that's why you engage. Somebody says, what's the price on Marco? You tell them. Um, Or somebody says, Hey, what do you think about this for Marco? You answer them. You're not just going to bury your head in the sand and say, Nope, I'm not even going to discuss this. Um, And you're fully honest about it too. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you tell them straight up. You know, again, like if, if Cleveland called me and asked me about Marco Gonzalez, I'd be like, let's talk Francisco Lindor. <laughs> you know? Right. And, I, you, yeah. and eventually at some point when you get that out there and teams understand that what you're asking for, they'll stop engage. They'll stop yeah. asking about him. Yeah. Um, at least for a little while. Um, so that's why you engage. You never know what's going to pop. You never know what conversation is going to lead into, well, you know, why would you trademark? Well, we're not really looking to trade Marco Gonzalez, but would you maybe be interested in, I don't know, you know, Justice Sheffield for this, you know, starting center fielder who's got four years of club control and, you know, put up a 125 WRC plus with average defense last year? Yeah, maybe. You know what I mean? So that's why you always engage in everything is you never know what this conversation is going to lead to. Um, so you always, always, always need to be open to the idea of trading somebody. I mean, that even goes for the Angels and guys like Mike Trout. Um, you know, realistically, they're never going to trade him, and they shouldn't. But, you know, they need to be open to it. Somebody says, hey, what do you think about this? They need to answer. They need to say, well, no, it's just it's not going to happen. You can't just sit there and say, nope. Somebody calls you and says, hey, are you Marco Gonzalez for sale? Are you going to hang up on him? No, you're going to You say, well, what's the what are you willing to give? You know, so that's why you engage. It's just good business to do that. Um, 
Right. And, you know, to answer the second part of the question here, um, were you trying to get starters? Yeah, you are. But Marco's also not a guy that you can't replace his innings, at least in free agency this year. Um, if they traded Marco Gonzalez for, a you know, the 75th prospect in baseball or whatever, and then they signed Rick Porcello, I mean, you're probably going to get, I mean, probably not as good a production, but you're probably going to get 180 innings that you need. Um, so, yeah, that's, you mentioned that, you know, if everything goes right for the Mariners, or even anything in general goes right for the Mariners, Marco's probably the number four or the number five. Because just stuff-wise, Marco does not, the, num- the number of pitchers in the organization have better stuff than Marco Gonzalez. I mean, Logan Gilbert, Justin Dunn, Justice Sheffield, Yusei Kikuchi, uh, George Kirby, um, Brandon Williamson. Those guys all have better stuff. Mm-hmm. Sam Carlson, Isaiah Campbell. Campbell. Yep. Yep. I mean, Juan Thin, <clears throat> maybe not yet, but yeah. I mean, you're talking five, six, seven guys. Brian, Brian Perez has yep. potential they, to be better. Right, and you know, some of those guys are years away, which is why you keep Marco. You wait for yeah. those guys to get up. But we're not talking about, you know, Marco is never going to have the the six-win season, right? Uh, he's probably going to be right at about three and a half, and that's really valuable. But you're talking about, you know, and if he's your number five in 2022 or your number four, then you're doing fine. You have a good rotation. Um, but if in 2021 or whatever you look up and you say, well, Gilbert's as good as we thought, one of Dunn and Sheffield – uh, they hit. They stayed in the rotation. Kikuchi's, you know, what we think what we think his stuff shows. Uh, now Williamson's up. Uh, George Kirby's up. Marcos is the guy most likely to get the boot out of the rotation. So, um, yes, you want to keep Mar, and that's why we're talking about you know in the future. Uh, I think at this point we've been pretty clear. Marco makes too much sense for the Mariners in 2020 to trade him this winter, unless you get blown away. Um, but after that, you're starting to stack some pitching depth. And oh, by the way, you have the sixth overall pick this year. And you have a couple off seasons to add starting pitching before you're yep. ready to compete. So, yep. um, you know, I think that's, that's why you, uh, yes, you want to, you want to add arms to your, to your, uh, stable here, but if you trade away Marco Gonzalez. Can't you go sign two guys or trade for one and sign one and replace mm-hmm. him? Yeah, probably. So that's why you do that. Um, let's uh, let's go ahead. Let's jump over to uh, the next part of the question. This one kind of goes away from the uh, the Marco and the uh, Hanniger talk, although mostly Marco, which is a bit surprising. But anyways, uh, Chris Williams on Twitter at ZipKidCW. Uh, two questions here, Ty. Should Jerry shoot to make the 2021 DH position a rotation to rest players and keep them in the lineup, but still keep them in the lineup? Or should they, should he have an everyday DH who hits in the middle of the lineup? So I, I'm a fan of no specific DH, you know, that's getting phased out of the game now, you know, uh, you know, thankfully the Mariners have been, have been blessed with some pretty fun, um, you know, strict, strict, you know, exclusive DHs, uh, with, uh, Nelson Cruz and Deho Lee and, and uh, Daniel Vogelback. Yeah, Edgar Martinez, of course. Um, but, yeah. 
What? What did you say? Oh, nothing. Dejo Lee's fine. Excuse me. Dejo Lee is amazing. Dejo yeah, Lee is the uh, greatest. He had, like, a good home run, and, you know, he's whatever. Excuse, funny to watch. Excuse, excuse me? <laughs> Dejo Lee is poor man's Daniel Vogelback, I said. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. We're, we're going to have a discussion after this podcast about that. <laughs> okay, anyway. I'm going to ignore that you said that. All that. And, uh, yeah, I, I think the DH should absolutely be rotational. I think it should be rotational as soon as this year. Uh, I know Colton's going to hate me for that one, but, you know, uh, I think, you know, I'm into flexibility. I'm into players that can play multiple positions, and I'm into getting your best guys into the lineup. And, um, you know, having a guy that can only play first base and DH restricts you in ways. And, um, and if you can get a guy that can instead, you know, hit for power and also play a, a solid corner outfield spot, maybe first base or third or something like that, I'm I'm more into that, you know. Yeah, I mean, the DH really only to have a full time DH in 2019, you basically need that player to be special. Um, you need the Nelson Cruz or the JD Martinez type. Um, otherwise, it's just kind of a I don't want to say it's a waste, but it, it's limiting. And in an era where everybody's all about flexibility and, well, we need you to be able to play multiple positions, we have pitchers who can hit, and, you know, pitchers are going to go play center field for a few innings and all that stuff. Um, you know, we're headed to that era, really, you know, back to, to high school baseball where, yeah, you know, you pitch, but you also play shortstop, and sometimes you play first base, and, you know, you're just a baseball player. Um, so a full-time DH at this stage has to be such a significant upgrade over that flexibility that it's tough to see anybody filling that void. Um, like I said, if you can get a Nelson Cruz, uh, type of hitter, then it's probably worth it. You'll be fine. Uh, you still have to make sacrifices to accommodate Cruz as your full-time DH, but you're going to be fine with that because he's, you know, hitting 280 and cranking 40 bombs. Who cares? Um, yeah, I would like to see them move to a rotation and I think, Honestly, I think Jerry would like that as well. Um, I think that's the direction he wants to go. All right. Uh, So question number two um, from Chris. He says, uh, when should we start significantly uh, marking up players and trades that help division rivals improve? So it's a question about when should we... uh, Uh, It's a question about when should you start trading... In division. Okay. Um. Was that it? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. When should you start? All right. I don't know. I I think there is never really a, a wrong time unless you know you're two teams that are competing at the highest level, and at that point, you know, you never see that happen. Right. Or at least rarely. Um, but before that, you know, you've seen the Mariners trade with the Rangers a bunch of times, and you've seen, uh, you know, them trade with the A's and everything. Uh, I don't think there really is a wrong time or a right time. Yeah, you just, to me, you just look at the deal and you say, does this make my team better? Okay, then. Yeah. I'm fine. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things uh, for me. 
just I don't really care about, you know, what this does for the other team that's acquiring the player I'm giving up. I care about the player I'm getting. Um, so, yeah, if, you know, the Astros come to you with a trade off. Like if the Astros came to you and said, hey, we're looking to trade Carlos Correa. Are you interested? You're going to say no because they play in division. Of course, you're going to say yes. So um, I just I, the whole in division trade thing doesn't matter to me at all. Um, you know, so long as it makes you better, then you've caught up. That's I mean, that's the thing is that the Mariners and the Astros, for example, they're right, they're so far apart right now that if the Mariners make a trade with the Astros that they think makes them better, then by definition they at the very least haven't lost any ground, and they think they've gotten better against you know the other, you know, the other fourteen teams or thirteen teams that play in your in your league in the American League, so. That's the thing to focus on here. I don't. Um, that being said, I don't really think you know. You look at the AL West. There's not a lot of teams that are going to be interested in what the Mariners are willing to give up right now in the West. So there's not really a good natural fit. But if there was, then you take the best offer you can get, and if that means shipping Mitch Haniger to the Oakland A's or whatever, then you do it. It's whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. So uh, thanks for the questions there, Chris. Let's move on to questions from our good buddy Jordan um, at Mormon Pizza Man uh, on Twitter. Um, kind of back to the San Diego thing that we were talking about earlier. Um, what would you think a reasonable trade would look like involving Will Myers and Luis Urias to the Mariners? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> right. Marco Gonzalez. Uh, no. Um, I think just go- going to, to Will Myers solely. Um, I don't know. You know, the the fit was more there when they were talking about, you know, possibly Gene Segura or Mike Leake or what have you. Um, you know, really the only salary dump guy that the Mariners have is D. Gordon. I just don't know how much interest the uh, Padres would have in that. Um, yeah, I think it would have to be someone like Marco Gonzalez. Um, I think. Marco probably doesn't get you Urias on his own, but if you tell the Padres, hey, we'll take on uh, Will Myers, not at full value, but uh, you pay this much each year, you pay this up front, you give us Urias, we'll give you Marco Gonzalez. I I think that makes some sense. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's going to take Marco, or it would take Haniger. Haniger, yeah, Haniger too. I think yeah. it's one of those two guys um, to get at Urias. Um, again, I don't know how the Padres feel about uh, Urias. He hasn't exactly performed at the big league level. Um, with you know a decent sample size, nothing. I mean, he still hasn't had a full season. So, uh, but yeah, he just hasn't really performed at the big league level yet. So if they're frustrated, um, and that's something you could consider. Um, but yeah, I think you know. The Padres, if they're going to trade Urias, it's going to be for a, a stud major leaguer or a really good major leaguer at least. And for the Mariners right now, that's you know that's Haniger and that's Marco, and that's basically it. Um, you know the salaries dumps, like you said, really D Gordon, but that just does not going to make a lot of sense for San Diego. Um, neither is Kyle Seager, who's kind of the other one. They have Machado at third base; they're fine. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, you start looking at reasonable trade involving Will Myers and Urias. Probably starts with Mitch Haniger or Marco Gonzalez. 
Um, there's probably a few players involved. Um, the more money the Mariners eat on Will Myers' contract, and I think it's like $61 million over the next three years. Yikes. Um, the more money they eat, the more they can probably get, and they might be able to fish another you know, good prospect or uh, maybe uh, a, ma- a major league, uh, major leaguer, uh, another major leaguer like I don't know uh, Manny Margot or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know Urias is still going to get uh, a good major leaguer, even if you are, even if you are taking on a lot of Myers's contract. So yeah, I think it's pretty much either Marco or Mitch, and then. Nobody else. Uh, so we'll see. Unless there's a prospect swap. I mean, you know, like Urias for, I don't know, Kyle Lewis. And you take, or not even Kyle, what? I don't know, Donnie Walton or something like that. You know, I just, I don't. Because that, that Will Myers contract is really bad. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, thanks for the question, Jordan. Let's move on to. Uh, Dino with a ridiculously long number filled Twitter handle. Um, he wants to know uh, what do you think the Mariners could get for Omar Narvaez if they traded him? Uh, you know, that's interesting because it really depends on what team we're trading, you know, trading him to. Because I think every team would be somewhat interested. Uh, but, you know, it depends on which teams value defense more than others. And which teams value that catcher offense. Um, And so, you know, Omar Narvaez was one of the best offensive catchers in baseball. Yep. And uh, that can take you pretty far because there isn't a whole lot of offense from that position Mm -hmm. in in the league. So I I really don't know, but I I would assume something pretty, pretty solid. Right. I mean, it's three years of Narvaez, and Narvaez is 27 years old. Um, we know he can hit. Uh, you know, a few of the teams that looking for catcher help um, based on their 2019 production, at least, uh, Texas. I mean, they rolled out some truly horrific catchers last year, and it sounds like they're going to spend money this winter. So it sounds like they're ready. They're thinking that, you know, they're going to compete next year um, for at least a wild card. So. Texas could make some sense. Um, Tampa Bay, depending on whether or not they're able to sign Darno back, uh, they can make some sense there. Um, the Angels, maybe. Uh, the Tigers. Even the Athletics. I mean, teams that could DH them, too, if they needed to. Um, in terms of what they could get for him, uh, I don't know. I bet they could get a, a nice... You know, top one twenty five, one fifty prospect, but probably not top one hundred uh, mm-hmm. type of guy. Um, they might be able to get uh, something like a major league reliever, and then a um, I don't know, uh, like a, a fifty grade prospect. You know, somebody with a chance to be a everyday player, but more than likely kind of a reserve. It's really tough because I just, I don't know how these teams individually, you know, value offense and defense. Um, 
for example, if like the Rangers are interested, you could maybe get a guy like Brock Burke out of them. Um, you know, I just I don't I don't think you're gonna get. I don't think you're gonna get a, like a big leaguer who's had success. I I don't know. That's a really good question. Uh, he's not going to get you the JT Real Muto type of deal, obviously. Um, I, I just I don't know. It's it's so tough to know. Um, let me ask you this, Ty. Maybe a, a simpler question to ask is, what would the return have to be for you to you know make it worthwhile trading Narvaez? Because I think the Mariners are really comfortable with. Narvaez and Murphy as their catchers next year. I think they really like that tandem. So what would it take for you to be comfortable trading him away? Um, geez. Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. You know, it's, you know, this is a really good position for them to be in. <laughs> You know, right, to, have, to have these tough questions, to have to ask these yep. tough questions. Um, because really, you could see, you know, you could see the Mariners keeping both realistically yep. and being set at the catcher position for their window. And you could also see them capitalizing on the great year that both, both players had, um, which, I mean, both are viable options. Um, they are. Yeah, I don't... Jeez, I don't even know because you know, I. What's the catching market looking like for free agency this year? Um, like Travis Darno's out there. Uh, Yasmani Grandal is out there. Um, so there, there are some uh, some good. Uh, Grandal is going to get big money, so you know, that may deter a few teams. Um, let's see. We have Alex uh, Alex Avila. Wellington Castillo, Jason Castro, Robinson Chirino, Starneau, Grandal, Jan Gomes, uh, Maldonado, Russell Martin, Bo. I mean, there's some pretty good backups and um, some really good gloves, but in terms of bats, uh, it's pretty much Grandal and Darno. Um, and maybe Wellington Castillo. Oh, Castillo signed, or he was. Castillo signed, or was he traded? But yeah, I'm looking at the list right now, and I see like two legitimate guys who are going to be above average or average or better hitters, um, you know, in the game, not at the position. But like, let me ask you this, Ty: Would you trade? Would you trade um, Omar Narvaez for, let's say, let's, would you trade him to the Reds? Um, Stream the uh-huh. Reds for let's say uh, Philip Irvin, or you want more? Oh, absolutely want more than that. No, okay. yeah, uh, I'm not trading tra- no Marta Vias for a fourth outfielder. Okay, uh, what about Jesse Winker? Yeah. Kind of, a, kind of a fourth outfielder, but you know. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, two sixty nine, three fifty seven, four seventy three. Yeah, it's fine, but I mean, it's like kind of that, Narvaez, out, like, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, rather have I'm the not, catcher. Yeah, we'd rather have the catcher. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I'm trading Narvaez, I want a pitcher. Would you trade him for Tyler Malley? 
Ooh. Uh, We're zeroing in, I see. Uh, it, it's Maybe not better. Mally specifically, but yeah, you know, somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I like the idea. Let's look at let's go real fast to the Rangers, uh, because they're the kind of the team that stands out to me. At least, would you trade him for Colby Alex? <laughs> uh, I would. Yeah. Um, would you trade him for? Yeah, pretty much Colby Allard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, maybe. I definitely heavily consider that. Yeah, so that's kind of what we're looking at here. It's just kind of a either a nice prospect <coughs> pack or a major league starting pitcher, I think, is mm-hmm. kind of what. Um, because, I mean, you know, you're not – the teams that you're looking at here – like if you're Texas, like for example, Texas is the one that stands out because Texas's catchers last year were horrific. I think they had a negative four WAR, and they're planning to compete. They need to upgrade the catcher position, and if they're right. going to go spend money on Rendon or somebody like that, they might not have enough to go get Grandall too. Um, but they're not going to trade you like Cole Wynn, or um, you know they're not going to give you Josh Jung or Josh Jung, uh, or Sam Huff. They're not yeah. going to give you those guys. But, I mean, could you get a, I don't know, Davis Wenzel? Was there, you know, competitive balance A pick this year? Could you get a, you know, what? It's just so tough, man. It really is. I think if you, I think at the end of the day, I would say if you can get a potential mid-rotation arm, uh, or even a four for Norvaez with three years or more of club control, then I think I'm in. Um, mm-hmm. If you can get a prospect, if you can get two B-level prospects and at least one of them is MLB ready or close to it, then I think I'm in. Um, anything short of that, I think I'd probably just rather roll with the uh, the tandem and just kind of see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really, I see no need to trade either one right now to me. It's a, it's a luxury. If you can get the, you can get a player you want, yeah. but, but you're Cause, not. Cause I mean, like they do have a backup plan, you know, if, if they were to trade one of them, Cal Raleigh is in the minor leagues right now and should, I mean, we could, possibly see him this year at some point yeah, plus you still you feel pretty good about nola back there yeah um, you know and again if we're talking about just waiting the year for you know cal raleigh to be ready or you can sign a veteran if you like if you like the idea of having three catchers on your roster then go sign jonathan lucroy or whatever uh to a uh-huh. one-year deal to be the backup um i, I think the the return well look at look at the catchers that have been on you know, successful teams, you know, world championship teams. I mean, look at the Astros who have had like guys like Martin Maldonado and all those, you know, you know, average catchers that, you know, that have, a you know, that are either really good defensively or they're just average defensively and pretty bad offensively. Kurt Suzuki, uh, Kurt Suzuki yeah, Kurt Suzuki, Young Gomes. Um, you know, the, the Indians had Perez and, uh, Jimenez. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, Yankees had Gary Sanchez. 
So I don't know. The catcher position, you don't necessarily need to be great there, uh, you know, to win. A significant, you don't really need to be great anywhere except for maybe starting pitching. Um, yeah, it's also a little muddy because the Cubs are apparently going to shop. Uh, um, Contreras. Yes, Contreras. Thank you. I always want to call him Castillo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there sounds like they're probably going to shop Contreras, and if Contreras is available, he's basically Omar Narvaez with a glove. Um, and he can play the outfield. Yeah, he can. I mean, he can stand out there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so yeah, that's kind of tough. Um, I think I would say, like, if Castillo is traded, look at that deal and go, all right, can I get 70% of that? And I think that's pretty fair value for Narvaez. Um, but, yeah, thanks for asking the incredibly tough question there, Dino. Uh, <laughs> make us look totally unprepared, uh, which, to be fair, we are. But, <laughs> anyways, thanks for the question. Sorry we couldn't give you a better answer. Um, but I think the one we kind of landed on is an MLB starting pitcher uh, yeah. or a couple of B, B-minus prospects that are relatively yeah. close, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and I think more than likely the catching tandem is going to stick around uh, from last year. Yeah. So let's move on to a question from William Lofton. Uh, he wants to know, it's probably a pretty quick one, um, he said, would you like to see a redesigned uniform for 2021? Absolutely. New uniforms. Okay. 110%. I love new uniforms. Yeah, I, I love do new stuff. I hate the Nike designs for these new uniforms that have been going out, though. So I'm cautious in my optimism. I don't know. Right. The, the Nike, I don't care so much. It, they put the, the swoosh in, in the weird spot. They should have just put it on the sleeves. It's like right on top of the logo. Have you seen the Reds ones? It's like oh, literally yeah. right on top of the logo. It's really weird looking. Uh, yeah. Uh, honestly, the, the Padres one, like the new Padres redesign looks solid. I'm fine yeah. with that. Uh, the Yankees one, like the one that leaked uh, a couple weeks ago, did not look good at all that like like especially with the the logo on top of the pinstripe it like kind of blends into the pinstripes and all that i don't know it's just not good kind of looks like it like the fabric bled yeah fabric bled yeah i just put it on the sleeve guys it's really not that hard um but yeah you know i'm always in favor of new uniforms i like new uniforms um i'm kind of a uniform guy so to speak yeah and to be honest, I typically like new uniforms just in general. Even the ones that everybody thinks are bad, I kind of like them. Because, um, like, the Arizona, they kind of went back to the traditionals. Uh, but when they had those, you know, I don't know what you would call it, on the pant legs, kind of the... Oh, yeah, the, where, where it looked like uh, the Kurt Schilling bloody sock. Yeah, kind of what <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mind those, man. I don't, I don't mind, like, the Marlins and what they did. I like what the San Diego did. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm always in favor of uniform change. Um, I will say I think the Mariners' current uniform set is fine. I think it's one of the better ones in baseball. It's classic. Uh, it's tough to screw up. Um, I One thing I would like to see them do is I would really like them to go those Seattle Steelhead jerseys they had a few years back. Just make a Mariners one with black lettering and black piping, white jersey, black hat. Um, do not ever wear those player weekend uniforms ever again. 
<laughs> burn those in fire. That that was a stupid idea. Oh my god, those were so bad. I but, I would like to see a more simplistic take on on the marriage. I, I think a more simplistic um, uh, font for the logo. You know, something that's more uh, like the. Uh, like the you know the the like the eighties jerseys, something that's just a little just it's simple but it's classic. It's got a classic baseball feel to it. I'd love to see like a cream jersey. I love the Sunday alternates that they have right now. You know, and I think yeah, I, I would. I just want to see something kind of classic. Like I, I don't like too much going on. Um, I know you like the Diamondback stuff, but I for me, I don't want a whole lot going on with my baseball jerseys. Oh yeah. So I, think I think they look simpler the better. Like usually. like my my favorite jerseys are like the Dodgers. I love the yeah. Dodgers jerseys. Classic. I'll, you know I love uh, I love you know I even love the Yankees you know jerseys and stuff. So, you know it's classic. Uh, it's I mean like greatest, but I mean they're they're like they're sure. so like Detroit with the old English D and all that. Yeah stuff. yeah Detroit yeah that's who I was gonna mention next. I like the Royals. Royals yeah, are cool. I do too. Yeah. Um, you know, there's uh, just not a lot of uniforms. I don't. I like I said, I like the Rays. I I'm fine with the winning. Athletics. I love the Athletics jerseys. I, uh, love, I love the color scheme more so than the actual like design of the jerseys. But still, I I, I just like the the green and gold. That's probably I, because I, I'm a Sonics fan. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the color scheme is going to be the same either way. So it's not really going to be that big of a difference for me. Um, yeah, well, totally I'd, I'd like to see them go away from the from the blue and teal. I, yeah. I would like to see blue and gold again, right? Full on, yeah. like as a prime. Not a navy blue, but as a like a, a lighter <laughs> like a royal blue. blue. Yeah, 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 like a royal yeah. blue. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Like I said, I, I'm open for anything um, in terms of the uniforms. Um, if they want to, or I would love to see them incorporate a little red, like the Rainiers did recently. Right, that'd be, that'd be fine. Too. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I just. I don't know, man. I think the Mariners uniforms are pretty classic right now. If they, I'll say this. If they don't make any changes, I'm fine. I, I don't think it's, like, incredibly necessary. I think what they have now is, is good. Um, you know, one of the things that I wouldn't mind seeing them, in the mid to late 90s, they wore the best, uh, the white vest with the, no sleeves, so yeah. you have to wear sleeves underneath that. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, I like those. I kind of like that. Yeah, if they if they had like a pen stripe or something like that, if they added that, I'd be okay with that. There's a there's a trend in baseball right now, at least in, at the youth levels, where the uniforms are uh, like the bottom or about half from the bottom to about the halfway point. They have like your team colors. Uh huh. So for the Mariners, it would be blue. It'd be the navy blue, the teal, and probably silver or green. Um, and it covers the bottom half of your uniform, like stripes, and the, you know what I'm talking about. So, like the Astro, like the old school. Yeah, Astros. yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or the Everett Aqua Sox, they do that. And yeah. those those look clean. I would not yeah. mind seeing the Mariners kind of be the first MLB team to do that again on a regular yeah. basis. Um, just <coughs> the, the Astros color scheme because that's nasty. Um, anyways, yeah. Uh, so yeah, always on favor of uniform changes or uniform tweaks or whatever. Um, I, I love them typically all. Um, so yeah, why not? Uh, so we're way past an hour, so I'm going to have to 
we got a question talking about the Astros and their cheating scandal. Let's save that for next week. Um, Are you sure? I kind of feel like ripping into the Astros a little bit. I mean, we're already way past an hour. You, you got you got two minutes. Look, uh, all right. So John, hold on, John Dodson uh, on Twitter at at Dod Sojo. Dodd Sojo. Okay. okay. Uh, right. He says. If you're going to talk about floating, yeah, okay, yeah, just go, Ty, just go. He's the one who brought up the Astros. Okay, so, so go, Ty, so go. I don't, I don't know if you've seen the John Boy video. You know who I'm talking about, right, John yeah, Boy? Of course, of course. Okay, okay. So uh, there's this video from a couple of years ago of Danny Farquhar pitching against the Astros, and every time he they they call a, a changeup, there's a bang in the background, and then every time they call another pitch, there's no bang. It's very clear that they had video equipment there to to relay to their to their dugout or wherever the banging was coming from. Um, because of that, I'm very and because of what's been going on with the Astros organization as a whole, I'm very much inclined to believe that this report is true uh, and that the Astros have been cheating for the last you know however long. Uh, and it's disgusting. There's no place in it for baseball. Um, the Astros have proven that they are a trash organization, uh, that they are horribly run. And I think, this, uh, you know, this really sucks because now, you know, it shows that even uh, A.J. Hunch is no better that you know, than the rest of them because, you know, he, he would definitely be in the full know and he lied about it. You know, and John Boy covers that in his video and I recommend you go, you go watch that if you haven't. Um, it's really uh, there's just no place for it whatsoever in baseball there yeah. baseball is such a finite game it's such a it's such a chess match of the game that any little advantage that you can get can swing things in such a huge way because it's such a random and you know, uh, calculated game. You know, it's like it's random, but it's calculated, right? Because you know, even Every even if I know, increases your chances to win. Yeah, but even if I know what pitch you're throwing, right? You know, I still have to make contact. I still have to make the right kind of contact. You know, the ball can go every which way. You know, there's no, there's certain. You know, there isn't control over certain things in baseball. Some things are just completely out of everyone's control. But when you start to alter the things that are within people's control. And there are very few things in baseball that are actually within the control of, of the players, the coaches, whatever. And at that point, when you're altering that, that's disgusting. Like that is absolutely disgusting. When you're tipping off pitches, when you're, uh, you know, or when you're cheating to, to get players to tip off their pitches and stuff like that. And I know that's in the game, you know, like players like, you know, stealing signs and all that. That's fine. But when you're using video equipment. Right. There's a big to, difference between, you know, yeah. not mixing up your signals at second base or, you know, you're, you're tipping your pitches because your gloves at a different <sighs> angle or something like that. Yeah. There's a big difference between that and having a dude in center field with a high definition camera. Yeah. You know, zooming in on the catcher's fingers and then signaling to the dugout what the pitch is. Yeah. I mean, that's there's a huge difference there. And I'm always in favor. Um, we see it all the time. You know, the the guy, we see it every year at some level of baseball. Somebody, 
oh, they were they were stealing our pitches. They knew what they yeah. were calling them from uh, from second base or whatever. And it's like, well, then your catcher's an idiot who doesn't know how yeah. to mix up his socks. And so but, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Right, I don't that's think that's if the, cheating. If the guy at second base was sitting there with an iPhone and he was zooming in on the camera, right, and he was holding yeah. it there to get the sign, then yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, we saw this a few years ago. The ass or was it the the Red Sox? They were wearing like Apple watches or whatever, and it took Major League Baseball like a day to say, "Nope, you're not doing that anymore." Yeah. Um, and so yeah, this it's it's blatant cheating. Yeah. Um, and baseball is such a purist game. There's so many purists that work for Major League Baseball too. So the hammer is going to come down on them hard. Here's, like I said, I really don't care. I'm not a baseball purist. Change whatever. You know, remember the yeah. people who, who flipped out because, oh, you can't do the third to first move anymore? Oh my god, baseball's ruined. Well, no, it's been just fine. So you can't run over the catcher anymore? Oh my, I'm never going to watch again. Yeah, you still watched and the catcher thing doesn't really come into play anymore. Um, would I still like to see it? Yeah, maybe every once in a while, but I mean, if you're tuning in just to watch a catcher get obliterated, you weren't a baseball fan. You were bored. <laughs> uh, just one of those things. Always, it's always, like watching my, hockey for the fights. Yeah, it's like just don't watch. Just go on YouTube afterwards and watch. Yeah. Like, if there was a fight, you can just save three hours of your time and you can watch it on YouTube in two minutes. Yeah. So it just to me, I'm not a big like. Oh, the game's always been this way. You can't change it. Blah blah. blah. I'm not. But this, I mean, this clearly crosses the line. Yeah. Um, and this you know, is I, New England Patriots Spygate level like right. stuff happening here. Right. And I don't know what the appropriate uh, punishment is. I think like how much of a deterrent do you really want to be? Because if you're just going to find the organization five million dollars, I mean, aren't you going to trade five million dollars for a you know a World Series title every time? Yeah, well. So- did this ha- so? This was claimed to have happened during the World Series year, right? I think it's been for the last three years. Okay, so I mean, if they have proof that they did this even in the World Series, do you talk about revoking their title? No, uh, only because I think taking away championships is like the stupidest thing in the world. It's happened. They've won. Are you going to go give the Dodgers their victory parade now? For the World Series, they lost to the Astros. No, I don't. It doesn't take away what the team. You're not going to get the. You're not going to get like the Super or the World Series rings back. I, I think vacating wins is one of the stupidest things uh, that we do, and that's that's always the NCAA. So maybe it's you know the I hate the NCAA so much that that's it. Just it just feels cheap and hollow, and it doesn't really accomplish anything. Like the Dodgers are going to feel better because there's no World Series champion that year, so technically they didn't lose. Like. No, I'm not in favor of that. And that's why I think, you know, finding the punishment severe enough for this is going to be tough because you can tell the players they didn't win that World Series or whatever, like in history. But people know there's just I'm not in favor of that. To me, this has got to be, you know, we got to start talking about suspending the GM for a year, suspending A.J. Hinch for a year. Um, you know, Maybe you even start. talking about banning Right. I, I, I would take away, you know, multiple first round draft picks. I would find the organization, um, you know, $20 million or something crazy like that. Um, it, maybe one other thing you can do <laughs> is you can, and I don't know if they have the authority to do this. They can pretty much do whatever they want. I mean, can you say, okay, well, guess what? For the next five years, your payroll cannot exceed $150 million or whatever. 
Mm. Like that would be that would be a huge blow if you if you set restrictions on the amount of money they can spend. I think yeah. that's like that's the the deterrent here um, because the multiple draft like if you, let's say they lose two first round picks or whatever they're picking twenty eighth, twenty ninth, thirtieth anyways. Yeah, I just I don't. I, it's tough for me because I don't know what the correct punishment is. There needs to be something and it needs to be a real deterrent, but I just, I don't know what it's going to be. And I don't think vacating a world series win in the history books is going to be that deterrent. I just, I don't because if the Mariners won the world series next year and then like five years down the road, for some reason they took it away. Are you just going to pretend that you didn't win the world series that year? We're not going to celebrate that team. Of course you are. So, I don't know what the answer is, but uh, maybe. Well, I, I, I think if this is actually something that's been happening consistently for the last three years, I would think that anyone and everyone involved should be banned from the game. I mean, I don't know. I Like I said, I don't know what the, the thing is there because it's tough. I mean, are you going to ban the players who participated too? No, but I mean, I think you would ban the people that put that plan into place. You know, right. AJ Hench, right. you know, and anyone on the staff that, yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure it was, you know, I'm not sure who, who the one relaying the information was. It was probably some kid or, you know, some, uh, yeah, some, something like that. But I, I think any, anyone that actually had power in that organization that, right made that decision should be banned from major league baseball for, I don't know about life, but for quite some time. Right. And that's what I think, you know, you get back to the year suspension or so, um, the draft pick loss. I think that's probably what is going to end up happening. And we'll see, like I said, I'm not going to judge the punishment before we know what it is, Um, but we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's clear violation of cheating. It's just another kind of scummy thing that, an organization that's turned out to be pretty scummy has done. So um, not too surprised that it's the Astros who did all this um, either. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Anyway, so let's run down these, these next like six questions really fast. Here we go at great. Uh, Shana, 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 uh, Wintraub on Twitter. Um, at Vanilla Schaefer. <laughs> okay. Um, wh- who's going to surprise us in 2020 and who's going to let us down? So the biggest surprise of 2020 is going to be who, Ty? Um, I think Kyle Seeger is going to keep keep going. I think he's going to be solid again this year. Right. And I think that's going to surprise some people. All right. Who's going to let you down? Rick Astley. Uh, oh, no. He's never going to let you down. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe one of the catchers comes back down there. Maybe it's Tom Murphy. I don't know. It's possible that could happen. Yeah. I, you know, I honestly, my my choice would be like Domingo Santana or Mal- Malik Smith, but I just don't know if they're going to be on the team by opening day. So. I, makes it really hard. Whichever one of those makes the roster on opening day, I pick that one. Okay. Um, surprise in 2020 is going to be uh, Yusei Kikuchi. Um, okay, yeah, that's a good one. 
I mean, I, I just think so many Mariners are out <laughs> on him. Uh, it won't be surprising to me when he's at, like a mid-rotation arm, but it will be surprising to most Mariner fans. Uh, so he's the guy who's going to surprise you. The one who's going to let you down, uh, I mean, probably Scott Service at some point, right? Um, probably, yeah. yeah. But uh, in terms of on the field, um, it's tough because it's such a likable team. Um, I'm going to say Daniel Vogelbach. Moving on. Sorry, nice. Colts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I actually think Vogelbach's going to be fine. So I I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I think the best bet is probably Tom Murphy, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll go Murphy is the biggest lettuce down. Um, that's without knowing anybody's. Or J.P. Crawford. Yeah, Crawford. maybe. I, I don't know yeah. what people are expecting. And that's a big part of this. Is well, it's relative to your expectation, but yeah. Anyways, um, Ben Sprouse on Twitter at Ben underscore Sprouse. Um, man, you could have been Dylan Sprouse, anyways. Um, <laughs> with prospects like Evan White and others that have a chance to break camp with the big league club, shouldn't the fans actually be hoping the Mariners keep them in the minors until the point where the team can get an extra year club control? Uh, seems better for the rebuild. So, Ty, should we be rooting for guys like Evan White and Logan Gilbert to start the year? And I mean, I'm not rooting for it, but it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, teams are smart enough to, you know. And the Mariners are... Uh, it's cute that they claim that Evan White has a chance to make the opening day roster, and that's that's fine. But he doesn't. No. He, he will be with the team in, in May or June when yeah. service time is no longer a factor. And then... Like, you know, I said that closer to the top of the show that he will probably spend most of the year at the major league level. It's just it's not going to be right away because of service time. Yeah. I think, <clears> you know, and the same can be said for, you know, guys like Kyle Lewis and Justin Dunn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think there's a pretty good chance that, uh, you know, the only prospect, quote unquote, to really break with the Mariners um, is going to be Justin Sheffield, uh, Shed Long, probably too. Um, but I think that's it. I think, you know, you're probably going to see Lewis, Bishop, Fraley, White, maybe Gilbert. They're all going to start the year in AAA. Um, it's AA is going to use the same baseball that AAA is this year. So there's really not much of a, you know, incentive to send a guy back down to AA. Um, but the baseballs might also be changed. Uh, obviously the, the conspiracy theory that the baseballs were changed in the postseason. um, which I kind of believe, but uh, we'll see how all that goes. But yeah, I, I, I think you know you don't have to root for it because it's just going to happen. I mean, you only have to wait. Evan White can come up, and he could just be the best player in your camp. And if you wait until April twentieth to call him up, you get an extra year of service time. It's a no brainer. Yeah. So it's not fair to the players, but also <coughs> you can't wave that big of a you know incentive in front of a big league team and not expect them to take it. So. Uh, I consider that to be on Major League Baseball much more than the individual teams when they do that with their roster manipulation. Um, yep. All right, so we got two questions left. Um, at Christy Samansky, uh, at or sorry, Christy Samansky on Twitter at Cat Samansky. I don't know how you pronounce that. I apologize. All right. Uh, what do you think about Mookie Betts from the Red Sox to the Mariners for D Gordon, Omar Narvaez, Mitch Haniger, and Evan White? No. <laughs> yeah, just 
Um, yeah, I don't think either team does that. Like, yeah, no. I I think the Red Sox are stupid for trading Mookie Betts, to be honest. Um, but if you're the Mariners, think about it this way: Why are you giving up three years of Narvaez, three years of Mitch Haniger, and six years of Evan White for one year of Mookie Betts? What's the incentive? Like you're not going to win next year, even if you add Mookie Betts. Yeah, yeah, no. So, and even if, and I, I highly, highly doubt Mookie is signing an extension with you. Right. So, yeah, and you I'm can't, well, you can't even factor that in. Like you're yeah. making that trade, you're not making that trade. Going okay, but we have a good chance to sign Mookie now. No, that's not relevant. Yeah, you just you're trading for one year of Mookie Betts. <laughs> yep. And you're giving up twelve years of you know three impact players potentially. No. Just no. No, I'm good. Mm-hmm. If Mookie had, you know, four years, three years of club control, four years, yeah, we'd, we'd talk about that. Um, but just one year of Mookie bets, it's just no. No. Uh, and if the Mariners were like, I don't know, the Astros, and this was the package, then yeah, absolutely. No. Uh, but just go, not. just go sign Mookie bets next off season. There you go. Yeah. Just so you don't and lose anyone. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, that's the thing because it's not like signing him <coughs> is going to give you the edge up on every. He's still going to hit free agency, and you're still going to have to win a bidding war to keep him. So yeah, if you want him, just wait a year and break out the checkbook. Um, although I do, I will say this: I do like the creativity of multiple major league players for one. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think like if you look at it just from 2020, the four players the Mariners are giving up here probably combined for about. I don't know, 10 war. Um, Mookie Betts is probably going to be seven to eight by himself. So in that strict sense, okay. But, you know, just in general, the, the timing just doesn't make any sense. So yeah. unfortunately, no. All right. Last question comes from us from Derek Brown at Derek underscore Brown seven. He wants to know with the talks of Gilbert getting to Seattle this year, do we think Cal Raleigh follows him? Like at the same time, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. I would say no. Yeah. Uh, Cal Raleigh to Seattle at some point this year? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I, I could see him staying double A the entire year, too. Sure. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I like what they did last year where they moved up Gilbert with Raleigh and they kind of try and kept that, that group together. And that's fine. Um, but at some point, Gilbert is going to be big league ready. He might be right now. And Raleigh just isn't. I mean, there, there's nothing to suggest that he's ready to be a, a big leaguer, um, you know, before Logan Gilbert is. Things change. Um, but if you don't trust, you know, Omar Narvaez and Tom Murphy and Austin Nola to work with Logan Gilbert until Cal Raleigh arrives, they probably shouldn't be on your roster. Um, and also you, you're not going to sacrifice the development of Cal Raleigh, you know, for Logan Gilbert's benefit. It just doesn't make sense. Logan Gilbert will be fine without Cal Raleigh for a few months. So no, um, unless, you know, Cal Raleigh shows that he's clearly a big league ready player. And I don't think he will, at least not at the same timeline as Logan Gilbert. All right. So that's all the questions we had 90 minutes later. Um, try to keep it to an hour. Yeah, right. Uh, 
But mm-hmm. anyways, Ty, any final thoughts before we sign off this very long podcast? Uh, my final thoughts are uh, ban the Astros uh, forever. Uh, that would that would actually help things with the rebuild. Uh, and uh, give all their players to us. Some of them. Some of their players. Every player on the Astros organization is put up for a draft as they retract the Astros. The draft order is the is the final uh, reverse order of the standings, so the Mariners would have the sixth pick overall from the Astros draft. Um, they have to assume Bregman, Altuve, Springer, uh, Cole's a free agent. So Verlander and what? That leaves Jordan Alvarez, probably the top five. Yeah. Who are you taking? Give me Correa. Yeah. Yeah. Correa. Um, yeah. I mean, that's really the only answer. By the way, if you want to get really crazy, uh, reports are that the uh, Indians are receiving calls on Shane Bieber. Uh, so, yeah. Jared Kelnick for Shane Bieber. What do you say? <laughs> Bieber's got five years of club control left. Yeah, uh, no, that's fine, but I really, I really want to see Jared Kelnick. <laughs> I want to see what Jared Kelnick looks like in a Mariners uniform. So yeah, bad. yeah, I just, yeah, yeah, just at that point, I just, I just want to see one Mariner game with Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelnick in uniform. Yeah, that's fair. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Soto Mojo podcast. Uh, thank you for sending in all the questions. It certainly turned what is. Um, been a slow time of the year right now into something that we can get an hour and a half out of um a little bit less if you you know you discount our nerd talk for the first five or six minutes <laughs> um, but anyways thank you guys so much for listening make sure you visit sotomojo.com as we continue to stay up to date on all the mariners uh news rumors hot stove report trade ideas injuries uh what have you um it's gonna be a long winter we'll be writing pretty pretty much every day new content up on sotomojo.com Make sure you follow us on Twitter at SotoMojoFS. You can like our Facebook page. Um, if you guys want to get a question to us, the best way to do that is still uh, via Twitter. So make sure you follow us there at SotoMojoFS. You can follow Ty on Twitter at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z on Twitter. Or you can follow me on Twitter at CPAT11, um, spelled like it sounds. Um, and like I said, subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. So thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. If you made it this far or if you made it past the first seven minutes, you're a trooper and you guys rock. So uh, thank you very much. And I will see you in another life. Peace out. Peace.